Well, good morning, Sunridge, on this great Easter morning. I don't feel like I even need to talk after that. I think that was a pretty good message. Um, you know, on an Easter Sunday, I know that people come to church from all kinds of backgrounds. Some of you are, uh, you know, faithful Sunridgers, which makes you extra spiritual, you know, <laughs> of a special kind of Christian. And some of you uh, come from, like, a totally non-religious background, and yet you find yourself here in church for many different reasons. You know, maybe someone from your family is requiring this in order for you to get ham later. <laughs> or maybe it's a date. I don't know. Maybe this is a date for you. Uh, that works too. So thank you for coming. Um, you know, in John's Gospel, chapter 11, Jesus made this statement. I'm going to put it up on the screen. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I was going to put that up on the screen, but... But you can remember that, right? I am the resurrection and life. Could we just say that out loud together? I am the resurrection and the life. You know, the resurrection is foundational to the Christian faith. In fact, I don't think anybody could have said it in a more bold way or a risky, riskier way than the Apostle Paul when he said, if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is useless and your faith is as well. I am the resurrection and the life. You know, we're starting a new series today that we're calling Jesus on Jesus. And if you don't get it, it's like we're saying that Jesus has something to say about himself. Hence, Jesus on Jesus. People have uh, spoken on behalf of Jesus over the centuries. We talk about what would Jesus do. And yet, I don't think that there's anybody that could tell us more about who Jesus is is than Jesus. And so, uh, beginning today, we're going to start looking at what are uh, the autobiographical statements that Jesus made, which begin with, I am. You might be familiar with some of those, like, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, I am the bread of life. We're going to look at all of those, but today, most appropriately, of course, we're looking at this phrase, I am the resurrection, and the life. Now, to be clear, let's, let's talk about exactly what a resurrection is. A resurrection means that something was dead, and now it is alive. You know, uh, the closest I've ever come to that uh, goes back to when I was still on the job as a fireman, and we had a little hummingbird get stuck in our apparatus bay. And we raised all the bay doors and tried to shoo him out, but he just couldn't get it. He, he wouldn't leave. And so uh, in the middle of that, we got called out on a call, and we came back. And there he was laying on the apparatus bay floor with his tongue hanging out like that. And um, thankfully, we saw him. We didn't run him over. So we picked his little body up and threw him in the dumpster. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Making sure you're still with me. What we did, so you know firemen have a heart, is we mixed up a little sugar and water and put it in a saucer because we could tell that he was still breathing, you know. He wasn't completely dead. And uh, his tongue is hanging out. Their tongues are really long, by the way. And we laid his tongue in the sugar, sugar water, but his beak far enough back where he wouldn't drown. And, uh, you know, in about 10 minutes, he got up and flew away. 
So I don't know if that counts as a resurrection or not, but um, I'm claiming it. I don't, actually, I don't think that that's what Jesus had in mind. Uh, so just to get us in the right computer file, I want to look at you know, a more comprehensive view of this statement. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live even though you die. You know, Jesus didn't say that he does resurrections, but he does. He didn't say that whoever dies is always going to resurrect and walk around like a zombie. And he didn't say that Christians don't get sick and die. In fact, uh, I'd have said exactly the opposite, that we do die. So I know that on Easter Sunday, uh, we're accustomed to hearing a message about the resurrection, which we will today. But it's not going to be about Jesus's, although we're going to circle back around to that. It's about one that he performed. And the context of this statement in which he said, I am the resurrection, is there's a great tragedy. Uh, It's the death of a very close friend, you'll see. And you may have heard this statement before. It's, It's the shortest Bible verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That's That's part of this story, which might say a little bit about who God is. If God feels far away from you, the fact that the Son of God could weep over the death of a friend tells us something. It also dispels the myth that, you know, a life close to Jesus is a perfect life, because it's not. Maybe for some of you right now, your life's amazing, And everything's in place, but I bet you can remember a time when it wasn't. And yet some of you, I'm sure, are right in the middle of a crisis. Your marriage is falling apart. Your position just got cut at work. Or last week, the school wanted to meet with you about your son, and it wasn't about his future at Harvard. Or sometimes tragedy comes to us, the imperfect comes, not to us directly, but to someone that matters to us. And that's the situation here. John 11, verse 1, there was a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the, love, the one you love is sick. So you have these siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and they send word to Jesus. So on this day, this group of followers of Jesus and Jesus, they get word that someone you love is sick. This, this is, he's not, it, it, there's no indication that this is like of natural causes. In fact, it's the opposite. Lazarus isn't just old and he's lived out his years. Something is happening prematurely to end his life early. And in verse 4, when, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So, In the middle of the worst thing that could happen when you care about someone, Jesus says, 
something good will come out of this. Now, you might be thinking, oh, man, this is awesome. The cavalry's on its way, and everything's going to get changed around right away, and you would be wrong. In verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, which, again, says something about our relationship with God and our expectations of that, that Jesus Christ had such a strong affinity that it's brought out about these three, and yet they're experiencing tragedy. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus is east of Bethany on the other side of the Jordan River. So he's quite a distance away, and yet when he hears word, he's not popping right up and coming in to save the day. But in verse 7, he tells his disciples that we're going to go back to Judea, which is a very dangerous move for Jesus and his closest followers then because the, re the whole reason they're over here east of Jordan is that their lives were threatened. And so he says to his followers, you know, we're going to go back into danger. If you have the misconception that following Jesus is all about your personal safety and, and being in this nice, comfortable nest, then um, you, would, you would find some dissonance what just, with what just happened here. Because if I was there, I would be saying, well, you're God, just heal him from here, and we can just stay nice and safe here. That's not what happens. And after he had said this in verse 11, he went on to tell him, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. What? And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. I can see him trying to weasel out of it, can't you? And uh, Jesus had been speaking, though, of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, I don't know about you, but like when I read this, first of all, I find great comfort in that people have misunderstood me at times. So like I'm in good company with Jesus. But the other thing, I wonder if like, it, you know, it also kind of makes me smile because this is a bunch of guys who aren't communicating to one another, right? I, well, I'm having fun with this, even if you're not, you guys. So, you know, if you ever think that the Bible was manipulated, you know, you have to wrestle with why do these things make it in there, you know. It'd be one thing you would edit out. And Lazarus literally dies somewhere in this interim space. And obviously this trial, Lazarus is the epicenter of it. Like he's the one experiencing illness and death. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but anytime there's a trial, it's never just for one person. Like if a trial is like something plopping into a pond and there's these ripples that expand and affect other people. A trial for one is usually a trial for others. And so even though Lazarus is literally dying, there are other people in the story that are dying inside. And I think you might be able to relate to them. 
first of all, there's Thomas. Thomas says, I'm dying here. I'm dying from doubt. In verse 16 of John 11, Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now, that seems like a really bold statement, but if you're familiar with the New Testament and some of the uh, disciples of Jesus, you know that Thomas was called the doubter. Doubting Thomas. And anybody knows that one? Yeah. And, um, you know, what a terrible organizational tattoo to get, you know. Like, throughout history, Thomas is known as a doubter. But here he's Didymus, which actually means twin, by the way. I, I think that it would be a great name for a Christian metal band, actually. Um, hey, did you see Didymus is playing at, at, at Irvine Meadows? Anyway. I told you I was going to have some fun even if you don't. But what's happening here really is, is doubting Thomas, is doing his doubting thing, but he's bringing a little sarcasm along with it. Yeah, let's go down there and die with him. Because remember, the reason why they're not there anymore is because their lives were in danger. And so he's doubting the whole matter. I wonder if anybody here ever faces doubts. How many of you would say, I've had a doubt or two in my faith sometime in my life? Would you raise your hand? Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand will be offering confession right after church today. <laughs> you can come up here and confess. You know what, if, you're, if we're honest, there are many of us that could relate to Thomas, that were dying from doubt. Some of you, uh, you know, God didn't do what you thought he would do, or maybe even what you have been taught that he would do. For some of you, your childhood faith hasn't made it to adulthood, and it's kind of like your faith fell away with your baby teeth and you never got your new, grown-up faith. For some of you, your doubts got, I mean, your faith kind of got knocked out of you by a college professor. Or maybe your doubts came because something bad happened to someone that mattered to you. Or maybe you just have all kinds of unanswered questions. You showed up for Easter but you have your doubts. Sometimes those doubts can reach a peak in which we're just drowning in them. We can be dying from doubt, like Thomas. Um, then there's Mary. And Mary here, you might be familiar with her, many stories in the New Testament about her, but she's dying from discouragement. Mary is dying from discouragement. In verse 20, uh, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. And Mary, but Mary, stayed at home. You know, Mary's the one who just wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus and be taught by him. And yet here, she says, I'll just stay home. Some of us are dying from discouragement. You're, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, meh, why bother? I've been trying to live by faith, but 
Nothing ever changes. You're too exhausted even to take a step. I mean, why interview? You're not going to get that job. You feel like your marriage is circling the drain and you or one of your loved ones has relapsed one more time again or this chronic illness just keeps going and going and you're just sick of being sick. You're dying from discouragement. We're all dressed up today. We have our Easter clothes on. And some of us are going to go to big family gatherings and eat a bunch of food and have fun. But really, if people could see us on the inside, we're just dying from discouragement. And that discouragement is killing your faith. And last, there's Martha. And Martha is dying from delays. Thomas is struggling with his doubt and Mary with discouragement, but, but Martha, it's the, the, it's the delays. When the story starts, Lazarus is only sick, not dead. In verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now that four days, that's, that's really an important fact, because commonly among people at that time, they felt like that as through days one through three, your spirit kind of hung around. It wasn't a Christian belief. It's not a biblical belief. It was just kind of folklore. But once you hit day four, you were no longer mostly dead. For you Princess Bride fans, you were completely dead. And I love how the King James puts it. It's like, oh, Lord, by now he stinketh. And so, in verse 21, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's, I believe in you. I believe that you could have changed the situation, but you delayed if you'd only been here. And I know that for many of us today, it seems like God is showing up a little too late. We've been waiting and waiting. Some of you ladies have been waiting for your husband to finally come to church, and he's sitting next to you, so don't elbow him right now. Some of you are waiting for a husband, period. Some of you are waiting to get rid of one. Your divorce just seems to go on forever and ever. Some of you are waiting for kids. Some of you are waiting for your kids to move out. Some of you are waiting for a loved one to return, and yet, even if they return today, you would feel like it's such a mess. It's going to be too late. And maybe, maybe you're just a Raider fan hoping for a championship. I don't know. <laughs> Chucky is back, so there's hope, right? Okay, all right. Go Raiders. Any of these sound familiar to you guys? Doubt, discouragement, delays. Or maybe you're not even there. Maybe, maybe you just need a compelling reason to get out of bed in the morning because life feels like it doesn't really matter. It's 
to that context that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes me will live even though he dies. To those people that are experiencing trials in life, whether it's discouragement or delays or doubt, Jesus doesn't say, I do resurrections. It's not something that he does. He says, it's who I am. In fact, if you have totally ignored my notes up to this point, fill this in. The resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And when he says that, he's saying something far more than, I could do a resurrection. I could change something. He's he's bringing it so much more personal and so much higher of a level that I am anything that occurs in a resurrection, the power that is part of that, the transformation, anything that can take something that's dead and bring it alive, I am that. I am the resurrection and the life. Can someone give me a shout out on that? Okay. So here's what happens. In this story, Jesus says, take away the stone. And they do. And you know what? There's always a stone in the way for something to happen. And then Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And why it's loud, I don't know. Maybe if you were dead, you're hard of hearing, or maybe he's too far in the tomb. But Jesus cries out, come out, and Lazarus comes out. You know why? Because Jesus is the resurrection. Does this mean that every person who is a Christian gets their own personal miracle whenever they want it? No. Because the world is still a painful place. And loved ones still pass. And troubles still come. Mostly. For me, we find ourselves more in the situation of the other three. Mary, Martha, and Thomas. Maybe we're not resurrected literally from the dead, but we are enabled to redeem those things that come to our lives that we feel that we're totally incapable of dealing with. Tragedy comes our way. Doubts come. And it's to that context that Jesus says, I am the resurrection. You know, every one of these people in the story, they died. Some tragically. All the people that are witnessing that, the disciples and Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they all eventually died. And I'm sure before that happened, they faced other challenges. But the people that saw that happen and believed the words that Jesus said when he said, I am the resurrection, they found that at times their situation changed. And sometimes they found that the one who is the resurrection changed them. Can I point out that it's these women that are the first to the tomb 
when Jesus was crucified and died. And you know, Thomas, even though, let's admit, it took him a while to get the point, right? But you know, Thomas, uh, tradition says that he went on to do ministry and plant the church in India. He is the resurrection. And that changes everything. Maybe you came to church today and you got all dressed up. And you put on your smiley face when you walked in. But you're dying. You're dying inside of doubt, discouragement, or just waiting on God. You know, you're, you feel like today your sins are too great. They are. But he is the resurrection. You feel like your doubts are too strong. They probably are. But he is the resurrection. Your addiction is too powerful. Your cuts go too deep. Your relationships are too broken. And your opportunities are too far gone. And you sit here on an Easter morning and inside you're dying. I want to remind you that Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Will you pray with me?